0: Welcome to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit.
1: Covering all things science,
0: relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the latest episode of the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. As always, we will be your co-hosts. I'm Lizzie, and this is Dean.
1: Now, if you find value in this episode, be sure to give us a like, subscribe, and drop a comment below on YouTube. Share us with your friends. Give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram, just do that by putting in at flex underscore success.
0: And while you're on Instagram, you can check out everything we offer from our eBooks to courses and programs. You can book a consultation or inquire about coaching via the link in our bio, or you can do that on our website.
1: Enjoy the episode.
0: (laughs) Hey guys, what's up? We are in Portugal. I think uh, the last time we did an episode without a guest we were just leaving England and we've been in Portugal now a couple weeks. Spent some time in Lisbon which is the capital of Portugal which was sick wasn't it?
1: Lisbon's cool. Lisbon is. I could definitely live in Lisbon. Yeah. Or Lisboa.
0: Yeah they call it Lisboa.
1: Actually. Yeah. Lish, Lishboa.
0: oh so their uh language has a lot of spanish influence and spanish from spain has a lot of sh in it mm. like como estas uh not como Stas. Mm.
1: it's not and as they, nice they also have arabic influence in some of their pronunciations yeah,
0: there's a little bit of that yeah so they say uh what is it Lishboa or something?" yeah Lishboa. and yeah. we're in lagos which is pronounced Lagos. yeah yeah so we spent two weeks there we've been a few days now in Lagos. We're here for another at least month. We've been here a week. Have we? We
1: got here on Tuesday.
0: God damn!
1: So we've been in Portugal for about three and a bit weeks.
0: Yeah. And uh, I can get down with Portugal. It's pretty cool.
1: There is no beanie on thy face.
0: No, it's warm here. Which was (laughs) the
1: last time that we said this would be the last beanie. So I nostalgically wore the beanie. Yeah. Um, I actually have worn the beanie here once. Have you? Purely just out of comfort, you know, just to make me feel nice and safe. Okay. Um, And this is new for those are looking at home, although don't look at this one. Yeah, if
0: anybody's watching on YouTube, fantastic. But as this is an audio platform, that was silly. <laughs> Dean has decided uh, on three nails that he finds the most special and he's painting them midnight blue.
1: Mm. With with the advice of a friend from Instagram to yes. put a matte top coat on them.
0: So it's not a shiny because yeah. shiny isn't very masculine. Is that, is that what you're talking
1: Yeah, I don't know, but I like it. The matte has worked. I like it.
0: Anyways, guys, we have, I hope, a killer episode for you today we're going to try and keep it to like 30 minutes i don't know maybe we thought we'd throw you some shorter ones uh and we were going to talk about a what like, are we going to
1: talk about this
0: don't act like it's a surprise we like prepared for it <laughs> before we press record um we're going to talk about types of hunger and this is one of the video lessons from block three of the better bodies program uh now within the better bodies program we have six blocks the first one being nutrition and the second one being training, the third one being hunger and cravings management. So this is one of the lessons and we're going to talk about types of hunger, how to measure hunger and how we can use type and measurement to guide our decision making when it comes to food. Mm,
1: because the Better Bodies program is all about sustainable transformations Yeah, and one of the things that people typically struggle with the most is this sort of managing hunger managing cravings they do all right for a period of time when they're doing the weight loss portion Mm. but then the sustainability portion they a lot of the time they become unstuck so yeah
0: yeah yeah totally well actually within the the video lesson that i'm sort of taking inspiration from for this podcast i pull some research that shows that one of the biggest indicators of managing weight loss long term so like sustainable weight loss is uh, hunger management Mm. so people that are just really hungry maybe they might halve the amount of food they're eating which then halves their calories that's great they lose weight but they can't maintain just like eating half forever it's the people that actually manage their hunger or have lower perceived levels of hunger that are more successful so so it's very important
1: blowing information that being hungry all the time is probably not sustainable no
0: and I think at first when we're feeling really motivated and we're really willing to suffer a little bit it works but like that only works for so long yeah you know so
1: yes two types of hunger we're going to talk about today one being hedonic one being
0: homeostatic Mm -hmm.
1: do you want to break that down for the listeners no
0: rock and roll (laughs) okay so uh we spoke about this also in the Untangling Fat loss ebook so if anybody has that ebook and has read chapter one this will sound familiar we have two main types of hunger. Of course, we can also talk about like emotional hunger and things like that. Um, but the two main types are homeostatic hunger, which is physiological hunger. This usually comes on every few hours. It builds slowly. It comes with an uncomfortable feeling in our stomach, and any food will satisfy this type of hunger. If I'm homeostatically hungry, if I'm yeah, homeostatically hungry, it's a big word, Dean. It's two words. Uh, Yeah, it's true. Well, hunger is not the word I'm talking about here. Uh, I could either have, you know, rice and chicken or I could have fish and broccoli and that would satisfy the hunger. Uh, And we want to think of this on a scale, right? Not as a light switch. It's this type of hunger or that type of hunger. On the other end of the scale spectrum, we've got hedonic hunger. And this is to do with pleasure eating. Um, I might be physiologically hungry. I might not be. I could be hedonically hungry right after dinner. Mm, I really feel like chocolate now. I feel like some sort of dessert. Uh, It doesn't come on every few hours. It it can come on at any interval of time. Not any food will do. If I feel like chocolate, eating broccoli will not satisfy that hunger. Um, And we, we can be a mix of the two. I can feel physiologically or homeostatically hungry, but also be craving pizza. Mm. so there there can be some overlap as well uh, which is why they exist on a spectrum because they can be in the middle
1: yeah so hedonic is like the drive for something specific whether that's specific be a particular type of food the saltiness or sweetness or whatever it may be mm. homeostatic being more like controlled by via rhythm in mm-hmm. that we have we have circadian rhythms that control uh, homeostatic hunger just based on eating frequency if it's consistent and also obviously the physical hunger and that your stomach is actually empty
0: yeah Mm. yeah
1: exactly I think they're really important to have a clear distinction between the two because it allows people to then have the capability or at least the opportunity to have some internal discussion around what is it that I'm currently feeling Mm. which is where a lot of people again come unstuck they don't really think about it or even know
0: yeah maybe they sort of like subconsciously they're like "Mm, I'm kind of hungry and they just reach for food so we're going to talk about a, f- a few other things but this is definitely a starting place when you feel hungry what type of hungry am i am i homeostatically hungry or like simply put you could say am i physically hungry maybe mm. um or do i have a craving am i hedonically hungry right. yeah. so that would be a good place to start it's worth mentioning though that we're not yes or no we're not like hungry or not hungry we're not like hedonically hungry or not or homeostatically hungry or not it also everything exists on a spectrum mm. maybe we should be spectrum nutrition though not flex success, Um, hunger isn't a light switch. Hunger is a dimmer, Mm -hmm. perhaps. And we can, when we go ahead and decide, okay, I'm this hungry or I'm that hungry, hedonic or homeostatic, we want to go ahead and measure them because, as I said, it's not a light switch. So where do we sit? Normally when people say, how hungry am I, they might think of a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being like super hungry, 1 being not hungry at all. But actually, yeah. I much prefer the um, hunger scale, which is pulled from uh, informed eating. Um, that's, that's ours again. That is ours. <laughs> What's it what called?
1: Um, from, um, I was going to say informed eating straight away too then, but yeah. intuitive eating. Oh, intuitive
0: eating, yeah. right. It's pulled from the intuitive eating framework. And it is a one to 10 scale, but five means you're neutral. You're neither full nor hungry. You're just like, you're just neutral. And as we get to 10, we get really full. And as we get to one, we get super starving. So I really like to scale or measure hunger this way uh, because it helps us decide when to eat or if to eat. Because if you think, oh, I'm kind of hungry. Okay, where do I exist on the scale? Oh, I'm actually a five. I just walk past a bakery and it smelled good. I'm not really hungry. Then that might help you make a decision.
1: And what are Um, some of the cues that they're thinking about in this? I don't know. Is in like a, a gurgling stomach, the feeling of emptiness? Yeah, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I suppose like one would be like so hungry that you could eat your own arm off, and you just feel like gorging yourself. Whereas like a, a four hungry, because you know five is neutral, so four is just getting hungry, would be like yeah, you know I could start to eat. A three is like I'm pretty hungry, so we want to wait until we're like maybe a two or a three, maybe a three or a four, and we only want to eat up to like a six or a seven, which is like getting full pretty full we don't want to get to the point of like an eight or a nine out of 10 which is uncomfortably full oh. um, we can talk about how to measure our cravings in a moment but it's worth mentioning that the hunger scale has some limitations too if you're weight neutral meaning you don't really care what your weight is then the hunger scale doesn't really have any limitations we should start eating when we're pretty hungry and stop eating when we feel satisfied But if you're someone who's already quite lean and you want to get leaner again, this can get difficult because your body goes through something called negative metabolic adaptations, which is a super fancy way of saying your body's trying to stop you from starving to death and is making you hungrier more often. It's increasing your food behaviors. Food tastes better. It smells better. You just want to eat more. You're thinking about food all the time. Yes. So eating to the hunger scale, if you're already quite lean and trying to get leaner, uh isn't always such a good idea. It still has some use, but we might want to start eating when we're a little bit more than just a bit hungry and stop eating before we are quite full. Maybe we want to stop eating at satisfied. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe we want to just ignore our hunger sometimes, just push through. So there definitely are some limitations.
1: There are are absolutely Mm -hmm. times that are necessary for you just to To deal deal with the hunger. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The people that were teaching the hunger scale to in the Better Bodies program aren't competitive athletes who were trying to get on stage Dick Skinley. They're sort of like, you know, fitness enthusiasts, everyday health nuts, um, where the hunger scale is more appropriate because most of the people in the Better Bodies program. Uh, you know, not so much like Dean when he was a competitive bodybuilder, but maybe Dean now when he's just like living a a kind of fairly normal life.
1: It's absolutely now I'm relying far more heavily on that. Yeah. Than what I am, uh, than what I was during contest prep. Internal cues. Contest prep, I was just relying on more so the mathematical equation of dieting. Mm. And it was that, I'm hungry, too bad. Whereas now it's kind of like I can eat or I cannot eat. It's up to me. I determine when that's, you know, Mm. within my goals still of having some form of weight maintenance. Uh, at my new weight that I've found, not obviously my stage weight. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting experience, I think, for people to go through, but a, a very necessary one, especially if someone's tracked macros before too and hasn't been so reliant on hunger cues. Is
0: the process you mean like learning about their hunger cues? Yeah, yeah.
1: learning and trying to have some introspection around, like, what does it feel like to be a 5, a 4, a 3? Mm. What does it feel like? Am I actually like for example in the post phase it's very easy to get to a nine when you're eating yeah because you're seeking this overabundance of food and you want to feel like like you've indulged because mm. it's been so long uh and, and learning to sort of yeah i suppose like consciously tap into that and go, all right, this is a nine. I don't need to be at a nine. I just need to be at a seven and a seven's okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. I should have eaten a bit less or eaten slower.
1: Yeah. A seven's like wrapping yourself in a warm blanket. And <laughs> nine is like burying yourself underneath the bed. It's not even that comfortable. you just go way too yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about how to measure um, hedonic hunger. Yeah. Which we could call cravings. Now this exists on, I like to call it the cravings thermometer. So it doesn't exist on a scale as much as it does a thermometer, with one being like you don't have the craving for it at all, 10 being it's extreme. But what we want to do, I think this was Chelsea's idea, was to chop out the seven. Because if I'm trying to, if I have a craving, if I'm like, oh, I feel like some chocolate and I'm like, okay, on a a thermometer of, of one to 10, how much do I feel like the chocolate? If I'm not really sure, it's easy to land on a seven, mm. right? Because a seven's like, it's not really low. It's not really high. Like, what do you do with a seven? I don't know.
1: It's the number that everyone goes to when you say, choose a number between one and ten. <laughs> like, it's not in the middle. It's not the end. Somewhere in between. It's
0: your favorite number.
1: It's my favorite number for different reasons.
0: I think it's weird how people have favorite numbers. Can I just say?
1: Mine was only because I was a fanboy of David Beckham. He was number seven. So. Okay. And then as a as a soccer player, you used to fight over numbers for some weird reason. Did you? Yeah, there's like this. Yeah. Anyway, sidetrack. Okay. Uh,
0: so we can we can cross out the seven and we can scale our cravings and eight or above which we would consider you know eight being high nine very high ten extreme or a six or below and a six is like you know a moderate craving and it just goes down from there one being like I do not feel like it at all so if I say mm, I have a craving because craving is for something sweet maybe chocolate How do I rate this craving? Well, it's not moderate. Like I'm salivating and I can't stop thinking about it. It's probably an eight, right? Or I might think, oh, I feel like chocolate. Uh, Not really though, only like a six. I can definitely deal. I'm not really thinking about it that much. If I'm trying to reduce my calorie intake, it would be wise for me to just move on from cravings that are a six or below. But if I have a uh, craving that's an eight or above, I have three choices. I can either choose to urge surf it and I've spoken about urge surfing on a previous podcast but if you haven't listened to it like a really quick wrap-up of urge surfing is acknowledging and accepting that I have a craving I'm not trying to fight it I'm not trying to push it away I'm not trying to ignore it I'm not trying to distract myself from it I just decide to ride the wave until it passes because like every wave there's a peak like there's a something triggers the wave or the craving it peaks by itself and eventually it's going to crash. And most people, quote, unquote, give in right at the peak of the wave and it's going to pass anyways. So I can choose to either urge surf it, and we might want to do that if cravings are coming on really free, like if strong cravings are happening frequently uh, because there's some research that suggests that the more frequently we eat a craved food, the more frequently we have cravings for that food. Right. And you can see the loop here. The more we have cravings, the more we eat it, the more we eat it, the more we crave it. Mm. So if you're stuck in this constant cycle of strong and frequent cravings, urge surfing is quite difficult at first, but it's a way to reduce the frequency and intensity of those cravings. Okay, so I've said I've got this craving for a chocolate that's an eight or above. I can choose to urge surf it. I can choose maybe to swap it for something else if I think that will actually fill the craving. Maybe I want to have like a sugar free hot chocolate or something and that might hit the spot. And therefore, I've gotten rid of the craving for 50 calories instead mm. of 300.
1: I like a full sugar coke to a diet coke.
0: Yeah, like mm. exactly. If you're having a craving for a full sugar mm. soft drink. Um, or I can just eat the damn food. And there's nothing wrong with eating the food. Um, especially if you think just a little bit of it, like a portion controlled amount is going to get rid of the craving. Mm. It's not something that happens all the time. Like I'm not craving it multiple times a day.
1: This this is when mm -hmm. people can run into trouble. Also though, if they're both a, you know, a one on the hunger scale Mm -hmm. and now an eight on the cravings thermometer, Uh if you go and introduce that food at that time, when you've had no ability to also shut down the the homeostatic hunger, there is the potential. It's it's going to be a lot more difficult to stop there.
0: Oh, you're saying if someone's like super, super hungry, like hedonically Mm. hungry, sorry, homeostatically hungry, and they have high cravings. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. Urge surfing, I would probably encourage momentarily, or you might move to like having a meal and then re uh, sort of, uh, I suppose, like realigning and just saying, do I really still feel like an eight? Because mm. again, if we refer back to the beginning of this podcast, homeostatic is going to be shut down in the presence of food, whereas the hedonic stuff theoretically will continue on.
0: Well, you know, until what you I...
1: go through these three options.
0: Yeah, I, I really like that point because when you're feeling really homeostatically hungry and you have a high craving for chocolate you're right. You're likely not going to eat four squares. You're likely going to have the whole block because you're starving and you have a craving. Mm. So this brings us to the point of why we eat. Okay. We can eat for emotional reasons because we're trying to self soothe or we're anxious or whatever. And that's uh, a story for another day, which is covered in, in the um, better bodies program as well, but not the topic of today. Mm. Maybe we're eating for social reasons. Maybe someone's invited you to dinner. You're not actually hungry, but look, they made you a dinner. Don't be an asshole um maybe you're eating out of habit like as soon as you get home you open the fridge but the other Mm. reason is hunger Mm. right so like we we need to tackle all these things separately and in the better bodies program we have um a, a habit change and body image management section which covers that as well but if we're just sticking to types of hunger today and hunger is the reason we're eating ask yourself this is just um pulling on the point that dean made why am I eating? Am I homeostatically hungry, like physiologically hungry? If that's the case, what do we want to be eating, Dean?
1: Something that is relatively decent in food volume or size, but relatively lower in calories. Mm-hmm. Fewer calories for more total volume of food.
0: Yeah, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to squash homeostatic hunger. And if any food will do, why wouldn't we choose a food that aligns with our goals? You know, we, we want to make it palatable enough. We don't want to hate it. Mm. Um, but we want it to be, you know, fruits or vegetables, lean proteins, maybe some starches.
1: Yeah, it needs to be palatable enough, like you said, but not so palatable that it drives more of that uh, hedonic sort of drive. Yeah. And it also needs to be voluminous enough that it also starts to mechanically shut down hunger a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't need to be like astronomically high on the high volume, low calorie approach too, because there's there's some feedback mechanisms around Uh, hedonic sorry homeostatic hunger that are volume driven Mm -hmm. how much food is in your stomach Mm -hmm. um, and then it's also calorically driven so like what is the calorie value of that meal and there was a, a movement for a while where people were making the lowest calorie possible foods for the largest amount of volume. Like the most protein fluff. Protein fluff, and, which yeah. was like using thickening agents and some protein powder. And we just try to fill the stomach up with as much food as possible. But 20 calories. Or two liters of jelly, little diet jelly. Or, yeah. You know, a kilo and a half of cucumber salad kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we know from that is that doesn't, it, it works to an extent, but it doesn't work better than say 20% less or 30% less. Because the calories volume. are so low. Yeah, there's a there's a disproportionate relationship from a natural food perspective where the volume of food is too high for the little amount of calories you consume. So yeah, it's, you got to play the game of volume. You don't sensibly
0: wanna, and we don't have to overthink yeah, it. Yeah, you don't want to
1: abuse it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And if you still crave the chocolate after you've squashed the homeostatic hunger, it's so much easier to eat four squares. Mm. It's so much easier to portion control when you don't start starving. You know, it's like going to the supermarket on a hungry stomach and coming home with like the entire biscuit aisle.
1: Yeah, don't go to the supermarket on a
0: one. Do not go to the supermarket on a one.
1: Or an eight for the thermometer.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, because we're trying to keep this particular episode a little shorter, Maybe we'll, we'll quickly summarize what we've spoken about. Yeah, go for it. So I think we can think about it in three different points. The first one is types of hunger. So when you decide you're hungry, what type of hungry are you? Is it a craving? Is it physical hunger, physiological hunger? Uh, then we spoke about measuring hunger. If you decide you're one or the other, on the hunger scale, five being neutral are you absolutely starving on one if so maybe next time you should eat a little sooner because we don't want to wait until we're absolutely starving to start eating because mm-hmm. it makes portion control much more difficult it makes eating with mindfulness like slowly without distraction enjoying your food much harder it also makes wise choices more difficult because when you're that hungry you're like just give me the closest thing mm-hmm. you know um, and we don't want to eat to attempt then you know if you decide that it's a craving is it Eight or above, or is it six or below? We've got options to urge surf. We've got options to make a wiser food swap, like lollies to fruit or something. Uh-huh. By the way, frozen grapes, as if they're not lollies, they're fucking delicious. Yeah, all the How lollies. good is frozen fruits.
1: Yeah, it's good. Oh, uh, lollies. They're not actually appear to be like they're like nature's lollies.
0: Well, I called um blueberries nature's yes. Skittles. Because each, like one's a little sour, one's a little sweet, one mm. like. And then what some pots, some are, they're good. They're good. You mm. don't know what you're getting. And the third option is just to eat the damn food.
1: You Which know it's perfectly reasonable to do.
0: Fine. Uh, and the third thing we spoke about um, is sort of like why we eat, I suppose. Like if you are feeling one type of hungry, then that's going to guide your decision. If I'm physiologically hungry, I'm not going to eat chocolate. Why wouldn't I make a wiser choice? At least not yet. Yeah. Mm. If I am hedonically hungry for chocolate, I'm probably not going to choose broccoli because that's not going to squash the craving.
1: Mm. I think there's one caveat to this, which we maybe have discussed, and this is going to be individually specific to is that you do also need to be somewhat cautious about having the craving based food immediately after the meal that you've consumed to basically squash the homeostatic hunger. Okay. I think a little bit of time is sometimes good for some individuals, depending mm. on what your kind of control is like, because, mm. We talked about that meal to squash homeostatic hunger being voluminous enough and low calorie or calorie controlled enough that you feel full and palatable enough that you enjoy it, but not so palatable that you want to eat lots of it. And sometimes my experience, at least from a personal perspective, I'll talk of here is that you can have the high volume calorie controlled reasonably tasty meal and be quite satisfied and then the moment you add in that highly palatable food that's lower volume, it kind of ticks up the, the want to eat more. Okay. But this is just a great opportunity again for you to check in with yourself and say, hey, this is clearly homeostatic, uh, clearly eidonic. Like it's not homeostatic because I'm full. But it's the palatability of the really, really delicious thing afterwards. It kind of works like the dessert. Mm. It sometimes can just kind of be like, ooh, I want some more.
0: It could be habitual eating. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So just be mindful of the fact that you, if you're going to change like that sensory sort of feedback, like going from reasonably tasty to very salty or very sweet or a combination of both, Yeah. that there may be this little uptick moment. But again, that's when you can practice urge surfing anyway. Yeah. Um, there's always an option to manage this.
0: Yeah, and I would never say to myself, oh, I'm not going to eat the chocolate. I would say to myself... I'm just going to wait 20 minutes and see if I still want it just as much. Yeah. And that makes it so much easier because it's not never, it's not now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's good.
0: Yeah. And and it like, it might actually end up being never, but it just makes never so much easier because you don't want it as much in 20 minutes. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And the more frequently you do that, the easier it becomes.
0: Yeah. Okay. So our sequence of questions from here goes less shit tip. Because we know that the tagline of this podcast is how to be less shit. Mm. So we want to leave you with a less shit tip. You want to go or shall I?
1: Yeah, no. Less Mm -hmm. shit tip for me would be to slow down your eating.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I think too many people consume food at a rapid rate because everyone's in a hurry. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I mentioned before that part of that feedback on the homeostatic hunger is volume-driven or mechanistic in the stomach. Mm -hmm. And that means that that needs time to register. So eat slower Whatever you do now, the easiest way to do this is just to chew everything twice as much as what you typically do. Okay. It's also, you probably find your digestion will be a lot better
0: too, because you're preparing that stomach for that dare food. Mm. Uh, you could even like set a timer and, like, I'm not going to finish this meal until 15 or 20 minutes is up, something like that. Mm. Uh, or you could swallow your food, take a couple breaths before you put more food back on your spoon or your chopsticks or yeah. your whatever.
1: Yeah, it's another great one. Put the spoon or the fork or the knife down between each mouthful. Force yourself to chew more as Mm. opposed to going fork in mouth, chew once, fork in mouth, chew once, swallow, repeat. Um, If you're
0: trying to gain weight, This is still a good advice, but yeah, the opposite.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you also still want to chew your food exceptionally well when you're trying to gain weight so you don't have digestive issues. Yeah,
0: it's true. But maybe you want to eat a little faster, choose more palatable foods.
1: Practice good eating hygiene. All of the stuff that you would learn if you were watching Downton Abbey.
0: (laughs) Which is something Dean and I have been, (laughs) we've been doing an episode most nights and uh, God, a lot's happened. There's been murders and rapes and cheating and it's, it's intense. Lots of dinners. Lots of fancy dinners. What do they call lunch? Lots of Luncheons. luncheons. Oh. Luncheon is served Prepare and done. Prepare the food for the luncheon. <laughs> it annoys me every time they say luncheon. i like, the fuck up. It's My
1: luncheon. name is now Lord.
0: <laughs> Lord Dean. <laughs> um, okay, something, oh, not something I was sharing. We just did that, didn't no, we? No,
1: we just did less shit tip. You're up. Oh yeah, it
0: yeah. is something I share. sharing. Yeah, something I share. sharing.
1: <sighs> it's something I've prepared anyway.
0: I don't want to share with you like the coolest pastache place in Lagos, which by the way is. um...
1: Never in no place because it's actually in Lusboa.
0: Oh, sorry, Lusboa. It is true. Um, Portuguese tarts at custard tarts are called pastache. Well, pastel is the single tart, pastache is like the plural word. Mm, So, pastel. I don't want to share that with you because, like, you're not in Portugal. You can't. I'm going to share something with you that's actually useful, but not as tasty. I am a big fan of listening to podcasts or like educational stuff on YouTube or whatever on one and a half speed because sometimes people talk so damn slow that my mind starts to wonder. I'm like today, junior, and I can make a 20-minute thing, like 15 minutes, 10 minutes if it's double time or something like that, and I much prefer it. I tend to put things off a little less because I'm like, hey, it's only 10 minutes. Yeah, as opposed to
1: 15.
0: Yeah um so yeah that's my something worth sharing give it a go podcasts youtube stuff listen to things on one and a half times
1: can i give a less shit tip in relation to your something worth sharing okay if you're a listener and you send friends family or anyone voice notes mm-hmm. do it on whatsapp not on instagram
0: oh because you can speed it up because on you WhatsApp. can speed
1: it up on WhatsApp. they don't, don't don't force your peoples to listen to you at one speed
0: I also found that on WhatsApp you can scroll through the voice note if you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I missed that part. I'll go back 10 seconds. I think on Instagram you have to listen to it to the end and start again.
1: You do, and it's annoying. It's so annoying.
0: So annoying. So annoying. Um, all right, Dean, I think we are wrapping this bad boy up. How do we do for time? I haven't been counting. We've,
1: but you have got to do a would you rather. Be?
0: I think we nailed it. Okay, would what would you rather, Dean? You ask me or me ask you?
1: All right, so as you know, I'm considering trying to get a tattoo of some description in most countries, if not all countries. Okay. Uh, that we visit. Dean
0: currently has one small although tattoo that on could his be, hand. That could
1: be a, a really, really silly commitment. But I definitely want some more on my hand, right, and potentially for So in light of that, I'm going to say, Liz. Yes. Would you rather, W-Y-R, would you rather, have a really cool and exceptionally well-done tattoo on your neck that is visible 90% of the time, or have 10 really bad tattoos in various places over How your How big
0: are the bad tattoos?
1: Uh, the minimum size would be like a, if someone did that. 50 this cent. Is, point. This is beautiful. Like
0: the OK sign with their beautiful fingers. Beautiful
1: with their fingers. Yeah. Or like a bon appetito.
0: Like you're touching your index, index finger, finger to your, your thumb. thumb. OK, so that's going to be like
1: two 50 cent pieces at least. That's the size.
0: How so big are your hands? It's one 50 cent piece. Jesus.
1: It's definitely two or more. It's not.
0: It's what? Anyway. Um,
1: so yeah, they're, they're both poorly done as in the quality. Tether. And they're also average as fuck tattoos. Like they're like mm. like a southern cross.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Which would you prefer?
0: Oh, how big is the neck tattoo?
1: The same size. It's the double 50.
0: Oh fuck.
1: Oh. Like the ribbon tattoo that we've got.
0: That size.
1: Yeah. But also that. That's a cool fuck tattoo.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to go 10 shit tattoos on my body. Really? Because it's easier to hide. Uh, but also, I feel like in professional or fancy situations, a neck tattoo is like, yeah, it doesn't quite fit in. Mm.
1: Have you noticed when a variety of would you rather, it requires a discussion of like 10 to 15 seconds at least to trying to clarify both what the would you rather is?
0: But when I ask a question, I'm like, no questions, Dean, yeah. just answer it.
1: Would you rather be bummed or would you rather be? <laughs> I'll yours. do the bumming. Like, oh. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm choosing 10 shit body tattoos. Not that, like, it's important to me to fit in, but um, I just, yeah, I think I'd prefer I'd go it. the one. And I also like... But I think
1: I can get away with it more as a male, unfortunately. You you A male would. with a beard who's got some muscle. Not a lot of muscle anymore because now I'm a hobby builder. No, right? that's
0: not true. I doubt you've lost much no. at all. No. But um, I like to dress up sometimes, but I also like to look like a bum. And then there's plenty of in-between casual outfits that I have as well. And I think a neck tattoo means that I can't um, experiment with different styles as much because I don't know. I don't see a neck tattoo really going well with like a sequined frock.
1: You just need to be a regal lady with like a like a neck thing on. Or one of the, the neck scars. Well, one either scars or like the you know.
0: Oh, a, um, a turtleneck.
1: Yeah, but not an actual tur- like a cool one.
0: Turtleneck's. Not cool. like a
1: Ross Geller one from France. Yeah,
0: like... <laughs> a Ross
1: Geller turtleneck.
0: Oh, if there's anyone who's cool, it's like really you
1: want Geller. a Joey turtleneck. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same turtleneck, but it just looks cool because it's on <laughs> Joey. It's true.
0: It's true. Dean, if you could have dinner with one friend's main character, who would you have dinner with?
1: Definitely not Joey because he eats all the food. Yeah, he does. He'd be the worst. And he
0: doesn't do. share. I like picking food no. off people's plates.
1: Um I would. Who's cooked the dinner? It, have we cooked it?
0: Oh, no, you're going out to dinner because okay. obviously you would choose Monica. So
1: definitely not Monica then because she would also then critique the food. <laughs> um, I couldn't handle Phoebe for that long.
0: Oh, I love Phoebe so much. Which
1: leaves me Phoebe is my Ross spirit and animal. Rachel, right? Okay. Um, I'm just going to go with Rachel because I think it would be neutral and I can just enjoy my meal. She'd probably share because she doesn't want to gain any more weight.
0: <laughs> She's always eating the salad. Well, I think uh, based off your... Uh, what's it called like you're removing people because you don't like them I, I yeah. might agree that Joey would eat all the food Monica would be too critical I think Rachel unless she wants something out of you I'm not sure she'd be that interesting to talk to is the vibe I get from Rachel I'm going Ross because he's intelligent and interesting if you're in I'm not particularly interested in dinosaurs but I feel like you'd have like really interesting things Such to share with you word. I'm okay with goofball. That's fine. I'm not trying to marry the guy. It's a dinner. You know? You'd
1: probably show up in the same jumper as you. <laughs> like doing
0: that I love it. All right, guys, that is a wrap. I hope you found something valuable from this episode. Um, check out Better Bodies if you think that it's something that might suit you. The The yeah. goal is to create sustainable transformations to teach you the things that you need to know in order to do the things that you need to do
1: and you can to get to where you, you want can- to be. Yeah, and you can jump in anytime. Yeah. So there's no start dates or anything like that. You, you get crank into the content straight away. We drip feed the content over a period of time. We have a live call once live a calls month. Once a month, which everyone is welcome to join. You can
0: ask questions on the videos whenever. Um, yeah. any questions you want, and a coach will get back to you. And uh, basically we, it's awesome. Basically. Yeah. It's basically set up for awesomeness. We will see you in the next episode. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Bye. See ya.